driving on the air. There's two now. Uh, good morning. <laughs> good morning. Welcome. Uh, it is now 9.30 a.m. Welcome to Sunday School at Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, we hope to have a really, really good discussion today. And After going over the Sunday School material, uh, it, it turns out to be very, very interesting indeed where we need to look at this whole situation with uh, all the turmoil and what's going on in the world today as a time of unity. And this message is actually going to communicate that very thing. While we're waiting for people to get online, it looks like a few are getting on right away, but I'm going to play the praise team selection to allow for others to jump on with us. Any day now, a live version from Ricky Dillard. So here it comes. And in the meantime, good morning and thanks for being here. Good morning, Arlen. Good morning, Beverly. Good morning, Ronnie, Liz. I guess a big bro in there somewhere. Okay. with you there watching the map, but good morning. Good morning, Mr. David Fry.
from any time. Amen. Um, that was a um, slightly edited version of the Any Day, La- Any Day Now, uh, the name of the song, live version, uh, by Ricky Dillard and the cast of uh, basically an orchestra behind him. Uh, but uh, thank you again uh, for the selection. We really appreciate those in the morning. And morning, Ann, and good morning, everyone. I said earlier that it's a good day. It really is a good day. Um, the weather outside is not the indicator for what a good day is. Uh, the good day comes in the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have so much already. Um, and we need to be uh, thankful for that. And we'll have a more of a discussion about that later on during the church service today uh, in Akron. As you probably would imagine, we've got a number of announcements. We're not going to go into a whole lot of detail because of time here, but uh, suffice it to say that it's very important for everyone who is with me here online and has the ability to even pass on to other people to please make sure to communicate that we have information uh, about a holiday worship service holiday schedule. Um, And we're going to be following that schedule based upon the recent events where there have been an increase of cases uh, with uh, COVID-19 all over the state of Ohio and even in Summit County. Um, uh, I'm glad I'm not in, I'm not in Cuyahoga County because it's really not so great there. Uh, but here, um, there were another 230 cases yesterday uh, in Summit County. Um, and so we're very conscious of making sure that we don't uh, exacerbate that situation. So we have a holiday schedule. Of course, we'll be in church today. Church will be here uh, happening today um, at, uh, uh, at the, the facility. And we will um, be, the next church service we'll be having, frankly, will be in December. Um, we're going to be skipping a couple of weeks uh, during the Thanksgiving holiday. And, and for the purposes of uh, quarantining, if necessary, if you're having family or friends over, individuals who want to come and visit you, we're very, very conscious of making sure that I have to understand that even though you may not have symptoms, you still could be spreading a virus and you're not even aware of it. Um, so it's very important to keep that in mind. And so we have a schedule that's going to accommodate uh, the holiday season. Uh, good morning, Angie. Um, so we'll go into that as we go along because this is not going to be something that's just for one week. It's going to be going on for several weeks. But we, we appreciate your understanding with that because we still want you to be able to enjoy your holidays and we know that there are limitations that were put in place by the uh, the mayor uh, of Akron um, as far as what they would like to see happen uh, for small gatherings indoors. But even with that, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really have an impact so much on us. We still want to make sure that even if you're going out and about, you don't want to unwittingly uh, bring something to the church that can affect the population of the church. So we're looking at that very closely. So I won't dwell on that right now, but the schedule is posted on our Akron Alliance Facebook page. 
um, and it is there for you to look at and review. Uh, in addition to that, we want you to always remind everyone uh, to please remember your tithes and offerings because uh, we're still having church every week. We're going to be online at the very least uh, if we're not in the church. So we will be in church and we'll still be doing church, uh, but we, we ask that you respectfully remember your tithes and offerings because we still have a church building to maintain and all that, and as well as uh, any, in, in, any incidental uh, expenses, those types of things that come up, paying the bills, paying the utilities, still have to take care of those things. Um, if you're mailing your tithes and offerings, please mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And I will mention that, of course, uh, today be the church being open, the tithes uh, box, offerings box will be out in the lobby area. And when the church is not open, uh, every week we will make the tithes and offering box available outside for one hour uh, from 11.30 to 12.30 uh, under the canopy. So we'll still have that available if you chose to just drive through and do it that way. Uh, but we're making it as easy as possible, hopefully, for you to be able to send your tithes and offerings. Uh, I haven't quite gotten to going online to do that yet because I don't think it's it, – there is a cost for that. Um, every time you donate something, uh, there's a cost you have to pay to the provider. So – we're not there yet, and I don't think we need to be there. I think we can just take care of business just like what we're doing right now and do it either mailing it or dropping it in the box. And we appreciate your cooperation with that, and thank you for remembering to do that every week. Okay. Um, with that in mind, we uh, have covered the, the necessary business. Uh, we're going to go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer uh, to get started. We're in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And it's a great lesson, uh, so thanks again for being here. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've uh, uh, slowed us down, quieted us down now to get together and be able to hear you speak. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for the reminder of your goodness, and we thank you for the reminders of your greatness. And Lord, we know that you are indeed a unifier. You are the one who brings all of us together, brings us together with a common heart and common mind to worship and praise you. We thank you, Lord, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to turn your Bibles and electronic devices to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 11 to 22 today. And it's a pretty self-contained lesson. We won't be diving off and going into other passages um, we are going to be pretty much focused in this particular area. Now, if there's a theme that we want to make sure that we understand today, <clears throat> and for this particular lesson, I highly encourage you to take some notes too, just because of the nature of the the depth of the material. Nothing uh, so deep that you, you won't understand when you're writing it down, but just to go back and remember that the one person who truly is the reconciler of Christ, uh, before in this entire world is Jesus Christ. And this is going to come out like gangbusters here in this particular passage. Um, I'm going to read verses 11 through 22, but we need to understand that Christ is the unifier. He is, we are, the theme here is unity in Christ. And the topic specifically here for today is made alive in Christ and one in Christ. So let's look at that now. And starting with verse 11, uh, reading from, again, the New Living Translation, uh, please follow along in your version. Verse 11, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Verse 13. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles 
by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Remember that. Verse 16. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Verse 17. He brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles, who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone of is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Well, this is a very powerful passage, this section of uh, Ephesians chapter 2 at the end. And we need to understand that the theme again is unity in Christ and being made alive in one and one in Christ. We've mentioned in previous weeks once we started going into the book of Ephesians, you'll notice again, and just as a reminder, that this is a letter that is written to the Ephesian church, but it could just as easily be to any church in existence at that time. And we can even use some poetic license and say it could be written directly to the churches today because it has application of understanding of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and understanding what that really means and what it entails. Remember, in Galatians, there were a lot of accusations being made uh, about what the Galatians were doing and weren't doing. Here, we're not seeing any of that in the Ephesian church. We are seeing a direct uh, uh, statement being made about the type of faith that they have in Jesus Christ and what that faith represents and what it means. So we need to keep those things in mind as we look at this. Let's go back up to the top. Ephesians 2, verse 11, and we're going to cover uh, the first three verses once again, just to read those as a fresh refresher. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were un called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. And that's something that we need to keep in mind here uh, of what this represents. Verse 12, in those days you were living apart from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. So they truly were the ultimate outsiders. You were, had lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So we see what the defining moment is where the Gentiles were able to have fellowship with the Lord. It was because of the blood of Jesus Christ being shed on the cross. Jews and Gentiles alike, and this is a very important point, um, they could be guilty of spiritual pride. Any believer that has any pride that's built in related to their relationship with the Lord, well, first of all, that's not biblical. Uh, it's not something that you should have any pride in at all. If anything, you should have, say, be saying thank you for what Christ has done. Um, and he did it for you and you had nothing to say about it and you had nothing that you could show to the Lord uh, about your goodness. He already knew who you were. Um, so that pride bubbling up in here is something we need to be very conscious of. Now Jews were of course were being accused of faith and traditions back then. We remember we read about that a lot uh, in Galatians as well too. But Gentiles can be just as guilty as Jews when, when they trust in their own power or their own achievements, or their position. Um, you, I'm going to just call out some people who call themselves certain titles and, and certain positions uh, because those are man-made positions that are given to you, but without Jesus Christ, you wouldn't be anywhere. Uh, and I think that that's very important. So when we started seeing titles popping up everywhere, um, we need to understand that it's not about your position or your authority. It's more about what Christ has done for you. Spiritual pride blinds us to our own faults and magnifies the faults of other people. We can point fingers and look at what other people are doing very quickly 
when in fact it is inappropriate to do so. If anything, if we see someone who is stumbling or, it's un or they're going through an unfortunate circumstance, the most instinctive, natural thing that any believer should be doing is to pray for that person. Whether you're praying with them uh, in person, if they're there with you, or if you're just praying for those individuals when you're not with them. That's the instinctive thing that any believer should be doing. We should be pr praying and lifting up any believer who has struggles or difficulties. Because that's the mind of Christ. Christ is also in the midst of all of those things, too. And there may be some teaching going on. There may be some instruction going on. There may be something that's happening to help that person to get back to where they need to be. But we need to understand that this is, this is very important for us to have a mindset that we need to be praying for people and not pointing fingers. Be careful not to become proud of your salvation. Instead, humbly thank God for what he has done and encourage others who might be struggling in their faith. Because all of us struggle in our faith. Amen? All of us struggle in our faith. If, if we're being honest about who we are, we all struggle. So we all, as a church, and I hope that you understand that this is something we've been saying for over and over again, and it's not just for even this year. It's, it's, it's for any year. We all should be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We want what's best for them. We want what's going to be good for them. We want them to recognize God's goodness. Um, hi, Crystal. Uh, thanks for being on this morning. Uh, we want to understand what God's goodness is, and we want to be prayerful that everyone has that same understanding. Now, granted, there are a lot of us who are in different levels of spiritual growth. That's fine. We don't need to point out to anyone, well, you're on a different level than I am. That's not the point, and that's just being prideful. You're just making, we're just making a statement that's factual. But in the, in the meantime, we pray for those individuals to do what? Gain greater wisdom through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the great teacher. He is the one who is teaching us. He is the one who is bringing us to the Lord. Now, let's get back to the part of the passage where I want, to see this, this, I want you to see this area where we're referring to how Christ had to come into play to get people to understand the importance of reconciliation before God. Um, the fact that the Jews used to call the Gentiles uncircumcised heathens is a very strong statement. Uh, Jews and Gentiles, <laughs> Jews, Jews and Gentiles did not like each other. Um, that is a fact. Uh, that is, we can go back and look at Scripture, and there was a lot of exclusion. And they didn't care for them. And the Gentiles didn't care for the Jews because the Gentiles thought that the Jews were all that and were being basically um, unmerciful in the way they, they were being treated. And so there just wasn't a lot of communication between the two. What had to change that? Um, the Gentiles resented the Jewish claims that they knew everything and they had the, the way to Christ. But in fact, the Jews, a lot of those Jews didn't have anything. They just were hanging on to the law. They really didn't know anything and they were still learning themselves. But Christ had to reveal what? The total sinfulness of both Jews and Gentiles. And then offered his salvation to both. Only Christ breaks down the walls of prejudice, reconciles all believers to God, and unifies us in one body. Now let me explain something to you that just kind of came to mind as I was looking at this study. All of the events in history where we saw changes in how people were being treated were none other than not just the people or the players involved, but Jesus Christ himself. The Emancipation Proclamation, um, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, that's Jesus moving through people to get things accomplished. And we need to understand that because in our flesh, we don't reconcile. We don't reconcile anything. We don't... We make allowances to do things, but when we're talking about heart measures, we don't reconcile. Christ has to be the one to reconcile people to him to understand the importance of treating other people correctly. We need to understand that. It's Jesus Christ that is doing it. We, we sometimes give credit where credit is due to people involved in these movements, whether it be Abraham Lincoln or whether it be uh, Martin Luther King or whether it be um, whatever name you want to come up with in the civil rights movement, Medgar Evers, whatever. 
ultimately it comes down to Christ working through those people to make a difference. Because in our flesh, we don't always have the best of intentions. And we don't really want to reconcile. We would much rather be in our own groups, be in our own places, be you know, associated with our own people around us. We would much rather do that. You know, when we have conversations about why churches can't seem to get together, well, it's plain and simple. It's a fleshliness that keeps us apart. It's the fleshliness of wanting to be only with ourselves and not going into other groups. That's what restricts us. Only Jesus Christ is the one who breaks down the walls of prejudice, not us. And so we need to understand this all throughout history. That's what we need to recognize when we're looking at this whole thing. We, we tend to glorify people, but the real glory needs to go to Jesus Christ. And that's where we need to always come back to. And so in this example, it just jumped at me when I looked at this passage. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So you were far away from the Lord because of how you were behaving. This applies to everybody here. You were far away from the Lord at some point because you wanted to do things you wanted to do. And you wanted to focus on what you thought was important. But you weren't reconciling. You weren't doing things that need to be done. How about reconciliation in your own families? Who is responsible for that? Who do you think is doing that very thing? It's Christ. It's Jesus Christ. So we need to understand that. As we go further in the passage, go back to verse 14. And let's read some more. Uh, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people in his own body on the Christ. Now we have the Jews and we have the Gentiles. That's the two different groups of people that existed back at that time because either you were a Jew or you weren't. If you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. Uh, You were labeled as a Gentile. And you had two different ways of thinking, two different philosophies, two different understandings. And a lot of those were fleshly understandings. Who had to break down the wall of hostility? It had to be Jesus Christ. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself, look at this, one new people from two groups. The two groups were distinctive and now they became one people. And Paul had to learn that lesson. And Peter had to learn that lesson. There was all kinds of teachings that were taking place even amongst the disciples that there were no longer two groups of people. You're either one or you're not. And that's what it comes down to. And then verse 16 again. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward other, each other was put to death. You know why I was put to get death? Because God had to change the hearts. Christ had to change the hearts of the Jews and the Gentiles. The hearts were changed because of the understanding of a uh, need for Christ as a Savior. And when you, again, humility is the greatest way to push towards peace. People have to be humbled or have to humble themselves to recognize the importance of the common good, which is reconciliation with all people. And reconciliation is taking place. And we have to understand that reconciliation is taking place throughout the world. Don't be deceived by pictures that Satan might put forth that there's no reconciliation taking place. Of course there's reconciliation taking place. There are things happening that we're not aware of in different parts of the world. And God is in the midst of all different areas of the world. Why do you think we have a missionary, it's the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And we have people all over the world who are being brought to faith in Jesus Christ because they're preaching the gospel. So good things are happening, and today is a good day, but we need to understand why it's a good day. It's a good day because Christ loved us enough to provide for us the opportunity with unity, with people, breaking down barriers, removing walls, and saying that there is reconciliation. We are all one in Christ. We all became one in Christ when we acknowledge Christ as Savior. 
Now, if we want to get technical here, we can say that there are two groups of two different groups of people today, those who are saved and those who are unsaved. But it doesn't change the fact that Christ is the one through the power of the Holy Spirit that brings people to him and brings them into that group of people who understand the glory of his salvation and what he's done for us. And understand that there's hostility that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles, and let's even bring it forward to today, the hostility that exists between a number of different groups of people can be made all better by Christ intervening and being involved in the process. You understand it takes effort to hate someone? Do you get that? To hate someone takes effort. It takes effort to divide, you know, to put forth all kinds of energy into not, not loving someone and hating them. Because your nature, your very nature as a human being, and this is even before Christ is involved in your life, your nature is to love people. You have to make an effort to hate someone. So these walls of misunderstanding, these barriers that exist amongst people, Christ is the one who has to break those things down because Christ has to do what? Infuse greater understanding to the individual who is uh, burdened with hate, burdened with misunderstanding. It's a burden. It's a burden for that individual. And so we need to understand these very things, that hostility, as it says again in verse 16, it was put to death. It was put to death on the cross because everyone had the opportunity now to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer foreigners. We'll look at this later on down in verse 19. We're no longer strangers to God. All the mysteries of God are still present. There are still things we're not going to understand until we have fellowship with him one day. But the basic uh, knowledge of salvation was made very clear with Christ's appearance on earth, his teachings on earth, and his death on the cross here, where he had to pay the penalty for sin for all of us. Understand that the walls that divide us, more often than not, are rooted in sin. More often than not, are rooted in sin. And we need to understand what that that bondage that we were under had to be broken by Christ. So I hope you understand that. And I hope you understand that even if you get right down to even your family relationships. You know, Thanksgiving is coming up. And we understand that Thanksgiving is an opportunity for us to fellowship and spend time with family. How many family members have you not spent fellowship time with during Thanksgiving because of a difference of opinion? Or an area where you just haven't been able to come together in understanding? Well, Thanksgiving is an opportunity for us to give thanks to who? Really the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's where we need to leave that. And that's what everybody needs to understand. Thanksgiving is not about having a big turkey put in front of you where someone is cooking and stuffing you uh, and turning you into a turkey because you're eating so much and then enjoying football after that. That's not what Thanksgiving is about. Well, that's true. Everything I said is exactly true. It may have been humorous, uh, but it's exactly true. Thanksgiving is much more than that, and I think it's up to us to start a different tradition uh, starting today, that the week of Thanksgiving is a time where we can all pray and be prayerful and be thankful for what we have and not what we don't have. You know, of course, we can, we can make a tick list of things we don't have, but ultimately what we do have is we have Christ. And that's the best starting point you can have. That's the best place to be. And that's where we all need to understand that. As we go further in the passage And as I had mentioned before, we're going to stay in this passage because there's really no need to move about. Uh, There's no, uh, I I don't have any reference to verses, but if you think about being thankful, you know where to look for verses like that. And we'll cover those later later on anyway in the the sermon, but, but ultimately we need to look at what Christ is as being a unifier. Drop down back to Ephesians 2 verse 17. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. But near doesn't mean that they were with Christ. They still had to learn and understand that the law was not the end all be all. 
Jesus Christ was the end-all, be-all. So we need to understand that both groups were not close enough to Christ. Christ had to be the one to bring those people together and have a greater understanding of what Jesus was doing in their lives. Verse 18, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. The Holy Spirit is the one who taps you on the shoulder, um, you know, gives you a nudge, gives you what you need to understand that you need Christ. I can't think of any other analogy than taps you on the shoulder or uh, maybe my wife did a gesture of an elbow <laughs> to get you to understand who Jesus Christ is. But, it's, but everybody's different. You know, some of us need taps on the shoulder. Some of us need hits upside the head. Some of us need elbows in the, the ribs, whatever it is. Um, Christ had to do what was necessary to get us to come to a saving knowledge of him and teach us something. And, of course, those things are all being said with, uh, they're kind of metaphors, but it's being done gently. You know, Christ is the most gentle, the Holy Spirit is the most gentle um, experience you can ever have. He, he will make you uncomfortable if you sin, no question about it. But he's gentle even doing that. I mean, we need to understand that that's really important for us to see what Christ has done through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Jews were near to God because they had known him through the scriptures. And they worshipped him in their religious ceremonies, but it, again, they were in ceremonies, and it was religious ceremonies. It was being done basically out of repetition. It was being done out of practice and habit. But that didn't mean that they had a close relationship with God. The Gentiles didn't know much about God. They had smatterings of what, who he was. They, uh, they had no knowledge of him whatsoever. They knew of something, perhaps, but when it came down to executing that or understanding that, they didn't get that. Um, you know, it took the centurion was a great example of someone who had to learn about Christ and was taught about Christ. And, and the centurion of all the people in the area who was a Roman, who was a Gentile, had greater understanding in that passage, apparently, than a lot of people around when Jesus was there. Um, so that tells you that, that the Spirit indeed does enlighten and teach every person who comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There has to be an enlightening, and there has to be a teaching of some sort where there's a knowledge that a person is no longer fit to live without Christ. That person knows that they need someone because of their sin. The Holy Spirit has to point that sin out, and the Holy Spirit does it, and the Holy Spirit will continue to do it. And understand something. The Holy Spirit can point out the sin of an unbeliever, but the unbeliever still has to make a choice to recognize Christ. Don't think for a moment that unbelievers don't get some sort of inklings or knowledge or understanding, but they have to act on it. So we need to know that it's not just two groups really it's all the human race remember christ says he desires for every single person to come to a saving knowledge of jesus christ all the more reason why we as believers need to always take the high road and pray for every unbeliever and not you know even jokingly call out somebody else for being stupid or dumb or not knowing what to do, that's not a unifier. That's not a unifier. A unifier is a person who recognizes goodness. So we need to see that. So please understand that. And I think I hope that you get why this passage is important for us as unifiers, because Christ is indeed the unifier, and we're not trying to find reasons to not be with people. Don't make excuses. If you've got a family member who does want to come by and, and, and they're okay and they don't have anything going on and they're sick and all that, welcome them in. Welcome them in. Um, take the precautions necessary. Do what you need to do. Wash your hands. Please understand that that's important. You, you're still going to have to do all the things that we need to be doing right now to stay uh, as clean as possible and have that fellowship time, though, with your family members if you can do it. Um, Thanksgiving, as you give words of encouragement as to what Thanksgiving is all about, 
please understand that it's an opportunity for you to proclaim the gospel message for those who don't know it. So it's a good reason to get together and be thankful. Be thankful for God's goodness. Be thankful for what he's doing for you in your life. Um, Just doing good deeds doesn't get people saved. Just doing good things, good gestures, doesn't get people saved. It's the gospel that gets people saved. It's the Holy Spirit who brings people to a saving knowledge of him. That's what we need to understand. So there is a freedom. When we talk about unity in Christ, there's a freedom in Christ. Um, Those who are free in Christ are free indeed. That's a a passage that... um, John 8, 36. Those who are free in Christ are free indeed. That passage should be a memory passage um, for everyone. We need to understand that there's freedom in Christ. We need to understand that when you are separated, you truly are in bondage. Almost like the slaves were separated from the people who had them, held them as slaves. There's a bondage there. And even the people who had them in bondage didn't realize they were in bondage. So you need to understand that there is freedom in Christ. Christ is the person who is our redeemer. He is our reconciler. We have been brought near to him because of the blood of Christ on the cross. Okay, verses 19 through 22. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Hear that? Citizens. Citizens, along with God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Before that, Gentiles were lost. They didn't have a savior to point to. Christ had to be the one to point this out to them. And who are the Ephesians? The Ephesians are Gentiles. That's who they are. So that's what we're looking at here. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. You know, sometimes we look at, I know our church doesn't do this, but a lot of people put a a lot into the fact that churches are buildings, and we have these magnificent buildings that have steeples, and we have all these things that are going on, and we know them when we drive by them, that they're definitely houses of worship. Well, honestly... A storefront church on the side of the road is just as important and just as valuable as a church that has a steeple that's big and magnanimous. Because if Christ is being taught, that's all that matters. And ultimately, the foundation is not the church building, but it's on Jesus Christ. That's where we put all of our hope into. That's where we put all of our energy into. That's who we devote ourselves to. He is the one who is showing us how to live in this world today. How to reconcile how to be with other people, how to reach out to people who we don't even know, how to talk to people out in stores and restaurants that we have no idea where they came from and what they're doing. And yet Christ gives us this ability to do those very things. And for those who are very shy and don't have that ability to do that, well, that's fine. But I'm going to challenge you to pray that God gives you what you need because ultimately you still have a responsibility to preach the gospel. How do you preach the gospel? You preach the gospel by speaking the words about Christ. You have to say it. You can't just live it, but you've also got to communicate it to people you don't even know. And sometimes that communication is as simple as saying hello or saying thank you and opening the door of conversation with someone. I can't tell you how many times that we've run into people, perhaps out in public, where sometimes they'll say things and then the... The dam breaks and information comes out. And you might find that yourself in your interactions with other people as well, too. I have to go back many years, but I've, I've had that happen. It's just people just start talking. They'll just start saying things about it just because you said a kind word to them. Or how are you? Or, how are you? Yeah, the magic question, how are you? And they'll give you an honest answer. And that's what you want. People need to be able to speak freely about how they're doing. You have to understand that sometimes it's pride that keeps us from saying what's truthful. Pridefulness keeps us from sometimes speaking up when we need help. And there are a lot of people who need help who won't speak up. That's pride. 
that's has nothing to do with anything other than pride because if you if you know you need help and you're not asking God for it, you're not asking for other people for it who may be put in position to help you because you need it but you're not asking for it, then that's really on you and your pridefulness. So we need to understand that when we look at if Christ is the unifier, if Christ is promoting unity, he is, pr- he is promoting to you that he can make you alive, then live as if you're alive. Don't live as if you're dead. Live in such a way where you are truly having this fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. People need to see that God is love. People can see that God is love. If you are living in such a way where you're make, making sure that people understand your humbleness, your gratefulness, your thankfulness in the Lord Jesus Christ. People need to see that. They need to see that love. That's the love is the ultimate thing that harmonizes everybody. We're talking about loving someone, and we're not talking about love like husband and wife. We're talking about love like brother with brother, sister with sister, uh, with unity in Jesus Christ. That's the love we're speaking of. The love that has to do with being in harmony with other people of any color, of any race. Uh, There are a number of people. There are people who are, there are people over in China that are following Christ. And there are people that understand the regime that's over them in China who do not want people to have a practice of religion. You know, and, and you have to understand that there are still believers over there who truly want and are trying to fellowship with Christ, but they're doing so under very tough circumstances. And I'm, I'm mentioning this only because sometimes we, we put our, our differences between black and white. It's way more than that. It's Satan. Satan does not want to see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, which creates this unity, which creates this understanding, which creates this whole thing where you have to have device, divisiveness, dividedness. People who are divisive. Understand that. Understand that Satan is the one who is the author of all this. We can look at people and point fingers at people, but we ought to understand that a lot of people are deceived. If people are deceived, then what do you expect? They're only going to do what Satan gives direction to do because Satan is what? The, the father of liars. The liar and father of liars. He would much rather see people not be unified. And that ultimately means they would not have an understanding of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to think bigger sometimes than what we normally do. Think bigger. Think bigger with the understanding that people are divided because Satan wants to see division. Satan wants to see division even in, his own, even in our own churches and has done that effectively. So we need to understand the importance of praying and seeking after the Lord Jesus Christ to change hearts and change minds, and that starts with me. Change hearts and change minds, but it starts with you. So we need to really recognize that. He wants to see people unified. He wants people to see his love. He wants to see people living in in harmony with each other and in accordance with what God says in his word. We're citizens of God's kingdom, are members of his household. So as members of his household, we need to follow the house rules. House rules would be to be obedient, to trust in him, to follow him, believe in him. Anytime Satan puts something in your way, you need to give that right back to him and just turn away from him. That's what we need to see. Okay, we're going to stop here. Let's go ahead and pray uh, so we can move forward. And get ready for church as well, too. Father, we just thank you for this time, this lesson about unity in Christ. We thank you for showing us how you indeed unified us because you gave us understanding through the shedding of your blood on the cross. And rising again to overcome death. Great victories in human history. We thank you for that victory. We thank you for how you followed through with your promises and how you continue to do so. We thank you for your ongoing teaching and understanding. Thank you for your very presence today. Thank you for teaching us all here of your goodness and reminding us that sometimes what we see is not the whole story. Sometimes what we need to understand 
is that we need to overcome Satan's temptations, Satan's distractions, Satan's way of people having people veer off into places they don't really need to be. We need to be unifiers. We need to be the ones that are seeking after you and praying for other people, not pointing fingers. We thank you for that lesson. We thank you for that teaching. We pray that we come back to Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22, and read over those again, and look at those again, and have greater understanding of what you are trying to tell us. Lord, we know that you're the one who moves people. You're the one that creates circumstances and situations to reflect your goodness. And for that, you are to be glorified. We thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, We'll be doing this every week. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back again next week with another passage in Ephesians. Um, Just as a quick reminder for those who are going down to church in Akron, please wear your masks and face coverings. They are required inside the building. Temperature check will be taken at the door. Uh, If you're not feeling well, please stay home and just join us online. Uh, We look forward to having you here with us. And as we go further along, we'll be talking more about the holiday schedule as well, too, for the church. Uh, But rest assured, we are doing all of these things uh, with the safety of the members of the church and the friends as well, too. And that's of the utmost importance. God bless you all. Um, Thanks, Jackie, Johnny, for joining us online as well, too. You guys are wonderful. We appreciate you. Uh, We'll see you a little bit. uh, After 11 o'clock, we'll go live online in church. Uh, Until then, we'll see you next time for Sunday School. Take care of yourselves.